Today, we discuss Miro. Today, I want to talk about the hellscape that is technical diagramming, right? Everybody's nodding their heads right now, uh uh-huh. And there is a potential solution that I want to share. There was one name that several people brought up. I did some digging, and it's kind of nuts how much this program Miro has for developers. I have to share this. It could potentially be a game changer for you. So my favorite part about Miro is that half the work is already done. Like right now, typically we spend hours starting diagrams from scratch, gathering information, you get buy-in from every team. Uh, You know, that's a lot of work to do. But Miro has a full set of integrations with the tools you're probably already using. And they also offer open APIs and SDKs for custom solutions for all those niche diagramming use cases we have to do, right? So the end result is the same, but it doesn't take forever. It's a massive, massive time saver. I'm transforming basic flowcharts and network architectures, and it all lives in one place. So are you using Miro? Have you used it? I want to hear. That's M-I-R-O.com. friends welcome back you know i think noah that we're able to get this episode out pretty much today right based on on what you were saying so this is going to be our third wow geez i think our third podcast episode in the week week. because monday was damon garcia then the matt chandler news happened so we podcasted about that and now here we are on a friday september 2nd which unintentionally just happens to coincide with the morning after joe biden's speech uh i I promise friends not intentional we had this on the books i think on monday or tuesday to record we did yeah and uh anyway no it's good to see you uh welcome back everyone to the new evangelicals podcast if this is your first time thanks for being here um we are a nonprofit organization we do podcasting we do social media we um do a lot of things and our main focus is really helping people who have been marginalized by the evangelical church find better ways forward in their faith, frankly. So we are committed Jesus people, but we are also, um, you know, thinking about that through the lens of a post, um, I would argue, post-conservative evangelical framework now. Uh, so that's what we do, and our podcast is one of those uh, those ways that we do that. So if this is your first time joining, thanks so much. Um, we do this, this Noah and Tim conversation every now and then because Noah's actually our <laughs> producer. And honestly, I think this kind of conversation breaks up the format of like what we usually do, right? Usually it's a guest and yeah. I'm interviewing the guest. And by the way, usually we, you have experts on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Today you're stuck with me. So if this well, is your first episode, I apologize. Two homeschoolers. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, usually I have experts, uh, but today it's me and Noah hoping that we sound somewhat, I don't know, authoritative in some way (laughs) while really just trying to fake it till we make it. So um, anyway, great to be here uh, with all of you on on this Friday. And Noah, of course, great to see you. Absolutely. Oh, man. I mean, I think we should just kind of hop into like the elephant in the room, no pun intended. But, you know, this Joe Biden speech uh, happened last night. Um, I sent it to you this morning. I watched it mm-hmm. this morning while I was getting the kids ready and uh, doing my my morning dishes. And like, I, I I like cleaning the kitchen up in the morning while Sarah's still sleeping. Sometimes, usually, I'm the one sleeping in. But this morning, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this. So, father of the year. Oh yeah, you know, you you know me. <laughs> so I'm I'm watching this speech, and I actually it's very interesting because there's so many layers to unpack, right? Like. 
For me personally, there are a couple of things I think about. First off, let's just let's just call the obvious out. We all know that midterms are coming up, and we all know that this was time to coincide with the midterms. Like we understand sure. that this still very much is political in the sense of a, of a president doing what he can to get his party more seats throughout this upcoming midterm election. Totally understand that. I get that. Which and that's kind of part of like the American politics game. That's just kind of how it works. Both sides do this. It just it is what happens. The other thing I will say is that whoever whoever designed the set should be fired. It was so okay. Bad. It was so bad. <laughs> I mean, they rec- he he spoke in Philly. I mean, ten minutes from me, an hour from you. So that was really cool. Um, obviously, you know, the founding of the nation, so to speak, happened in Philly. Yeah. But but they had this this like these blood red lights behind them, and he just looked like a real like dictator honestly like especially that there's, yeah. there's that one picture going around where he has like his fist closed i guess he's yeah. little, he's talking like emphatically <laughs> and the way it looks it, it's not a good look all with right two, so with the two like you know guards right behind him right. it was like some star wars shit or yeah. something but which yeah. oh which is why i didn't tell you i have the perfect title for this episode you ready all right what is it the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Come on. It's so perfect. I love it. I it's love so it. perfect because this really was. I mean, listen, again, friends, we, while we very much critique Christian nationalism, Democrats are still part of the empire. I mean, Joe Biden sure. is part of the machine that we, I believe, as Christians are called to critique and also called to resist as much as possible. So certainly are, are, you're not going to hear a Joe Biden apologist perspective here, okay? Uh, the empire struck back at, 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 at one of its biggest threats to sure. its way of life, okay? Now, that being said, um, I do think that overall the speech was, was pretty damn decent, and I really appreciate that finally, finally, Joe Biden just said the obvious, like, hey, not all Republicans. He argued not most Republicans. I might debate that, but whatever. I get what he was trying to say. He was trying to say, hey, most people who are Republicans in America are not MAGA Trumper supporters. Right. And, and to the people who are MAGA supporters— you're threatening our democracy. You're threatening our way of life. You're threatening violence. I thought that was on the damn nose. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this? I that was the thing that struck out struck out <laughs> struck <laughs> me the most um, when I when I first started listening to it was how he he was very direct about that in, in terms of who he was speaking to and who he was addressing directing the concern most towards. And I really appreciated that nuance where he said this isn't actually. You know, and, and again, yeah, we can debate some of the depending how we draw the lines and that sort of things. But, you know, that the the MAGA extremism is not the dominant position within the Republican Party. You know, certainly in some of the the leading proponents of it, we see that. But in the average person that is um, registered as a Republican, this isn't necessarily, you know, yeah. they're they don't reflect all of the views of some of the more extremists. Um, you know, MAGA Trump supporters. And I really appreciated him saying that. And again, yeah, there's a lot of debate and we might even be interesting to talk about that a little bit, you know, some of those statistics and, you know, why that's a little debatable. But what I really appreciated about that was the fact that he wasn't making the speech out to be an us versus them in terms of Republicans versus Democrats. It wasn't. And, and he said that several times where it's not about if we win, you lose, or if you win, we lose. Like it's not that's not the American spirit that's meant to be captured in the political sphere. And that a lot of the the danger that we're running into in terms of the the violence that is happening in the, in the insurrection is a great example of that. Yeah. The political violence yeah. does not speak for that, that that's not welcome in, in this American political sphere. And it, it doesn't speak for the majority of 
Americans, you know, even even if they're registered for the, the party that represents, you know, the MAGA position currently. Right. I mean, again, we've already explained that that we're not necessarily fans or, or, or loyalists to Democrats or Joe Biden. I mean, yeah. he, he's an old white guy who's pretty much, <laughs> uh, honestly, he's pretty much a, a centrist in some ways, even, yeah. even Republican in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but as far as like his views and his, he, he mentioned law and order sure. a lot in, in this speech, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, yeah, okay. I, I didn't, okay. I didn't care for everything he had to say. Right. There. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I get what he's saying, which is, Hey, um, there's something different happening in these right wing spaces. And, and one of his quotes is MAGA Republicans do not respect the constitution. They do not respect the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. And I got to be honest, I have to agree with this. And, I, and, yeah. and the, the Trump, the election is stolen rhetoric that by the way, Two years later is still deeply embedded in these spaces. Yeah. Okay. That is a that is not recognizing the will of the people. That is not recognizing or respecting quote unquote the rule of law. That is not respecting the constitution. I mean, guys, I, I, if you're listening out there, this is a true story. In Arizona, they had a fake elector. Uh, a electorate meeting where they signed fraudulent documentation certifying the election in Arizona for Trump. This actually happened. Yeah. You can look it up. Okay. So I, I really do feel like it's about damn time that Biden just called something what it is. Now, of course, of course, this sent MAGA world into a frenzy, right? I mean, dude, some of the quotes, I mean, That's are just, oh my God. I mean, it is, <laughs> it, it is truly. It's unbelievable what I saw P- comparing him to to Hitler. I mean, things I'm like, what are you talking about? Things like, the, I, I mean, hold on, Ben Shapiro. I gotta find it. Let me oh dig boy. this up because Ben Shapiro's tweet was just one of these like, Ben, I I know you are smarter than this because you I know that you're an intelligent person and that at this point you're just misleading people. But he says, let me find the tweet. I have it here. Hold on. Uh, where is it? Man, this guy tweets like a maniac. Uh. Let's see. Uh, shoot. Uh, I can't find it now, but pretty much what he said in a nutshell was this was the most divisive political speech like from a president ever kind what? of thing. And you're like, dude, do you, and I really think I really am convinced that people. Oh, here it is. Here you go. Ben Shapiro tweeted. This- here's what he said. That right. was the most demagogic, outrageous, and divisive speech I have ever seen <laughs> from an American president. Joe Biden essentially declared what? all those who oppose him and his agenda enemies of the republic, truly shameful. Now, this is a bullshit tweet from Ben mm-hmm. Shapiro. It is a thousand percent bullshit because the reality is, is that Biden was very clear who he was targeting. And the reality is that Ben and and really, I mean, this isn't an American problem, but really a far right problem. I think it's intentional. They are ahistorical. They pretend yeah. like we don't remember how Trump acted, what he said, how he tweeted, how he demonized Democrats. It's its like somehow we just forget. We just have amnesia. Like, oh, my God, this yeah. Trump never did it this way worse, by the way. And it just is so frustrating to watch people like Ben, who, by the way, many right wing conservative evangelicals follow tweet stuff like this. And people go, yeah, Ben, you're right. Biden was so divisive for calling out objectively verifiable data that 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 people in this MAGA movement have a very intentional and very um, um, authoritarian view of how they should be in power and their enemies should not be their enemies should not be yeah. in power. That's a very different rhetoric than the classic Democrat Republican, you know, divide. That's why right. it's so scary. The whole point of his speech, the way I received it was about bipartisan unity. 
of saying as a democracy, we collectively should not stand for violent overthrow <laughs> right? you know, and outright right. lies that have been disproven because we can't sustainably run a country on that. That's that's like his speech in a nutshell. Yes. Is those two sentences. That's right. You know, that's right. No, you're, you're, it's you're insane. It's uh, insane. Uh, you are. Noah. that was so well put. You're exactly on the money. And and the MAGA crowd says, boo. Oh, you're so divisive. <laughs> How dare you? All of a sudden, the alpha male snowflake, you know, uh, alpha men, you know, masculine, take the country back by force are crying boo hoo because their president uh, or the president, however you want to frame it, you know, essentially said a real. I mean, again, I, I don't want to. Friends, if you listen to the show, you know, we say I say this often, but like we have the video footage of what happened on the 6th. Yeah. We are uncovering what Trump really said behind closed doors. We we know what happened. We we have the data. And people like Ben Shapiro and the other right-wing media propagandists are are in they're, they're employed to do one thing, to to really tell on themselves by talking about Joe Biden. I mean, that's what they're doing here. You know, I mean, Trump was the most demagogic, outrageous and divisive president we've ever had. I mean, yeah. in in terms of just straight up um, comments about women, comments about countries, comments about Democrats, and also his rhetoric that literally incited a, a goddamn insurrection. You know, yeah. so I it just is like it is something to behold to watch how this I would argue fascist propaganda machine really behaves and how it acts, and it is it is shocking to watch in real time. Still, all these years later, yeah, and it, to me, it's bizarre that it's it's continuing on the way it is. You know, that that in even in the current elections that we're having and the the people that are sort of rising to power and influence in these spaces are continuing to propagate a lot of these myths and these lies, you know, as they're as they're being like categorically disproven as the evidence is coming out like blatantly in black and white, that, that I mean, this is still the majority positions, you know, that, and that the, the people that yeah. we're choosing to, to bring up in power, that, that they're still propagating this. Um, can we also mention that that the FBI obtained a search warrant and found mm -hmm. classified top secret documents that, yeah. that, that, that president Trump had illegally and will probably be charged. And again, mm -hmm. his base is still no Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. Okay. Now listen, now listen, as Ben Shapiro would say, two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> all right. But, uh, Hunter Biden. Don't use could, his tweets against him. <laughs> Hunter Biden could have really incriminating things on his laptop. Sure. He could be a criminal. Yep. He, he could do illegal things, 100%, and he should be prosecuted. That's fine. Absolutely. But comparing Hunter Biden's laptop to a sitting president of the U.S., do you understand the difference here, right? I mean, right. That, that, that is like, it is such a, it's such, it's not an equal situation that's happening. Hunter Biden is not, he's not employed by Biden uh, in, in the government somewhere. Right. I mean, unlike Trump, who employed his whole family, Biden didn't do that. And so it just is so interesting to watch what I what I think is so evident again by the evidence that we have, um, uh, and seeing how how people just completely dismiss it and live in an alternate reality. Um, which I think it's I, really amusing too how many times Trump has like changed his narrative oh, on course. this whole situation. Of course. By the really way, funny. friends, if you really want a great book on, on fascism that will really, I think, will open your eyes, the book "How Fascism Works" by Jason Stanley is a must read. Um, I, I, Noah, I, I have a thought on this though. I have, I have like, okay. like, like a deeper 
under under this layer thought I've been thinking about. Okay. Okay. Because I've I've been and I would love your thoughts on this. This is really in the moment here. I I have, I have not prepped you for this question, but you know the 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 benefit of us talking is that I get to flush these ideas out in real time yeah. with you, which is great. It's great. So I, I I've been really I've been trying to figure out how people like an Ali Stuckey um, or you know other people in the MAGA movement will use language like truth. I mean. He mm-hmm. had Donald Trump has a social media platform called Truth, right. <laughs> okay, right? Um, or objective truth, or just the facts. But but at the same time, what they argue are the facts are blatantly not the facts. And I I, I think the lowest hanging fruit here is the January sixth insurrection. It's the most sure. commonly understood situation where where to this day, you know, people really tell you with a straight face, no, no, it wasn't an insurrection. The FBI was behind it. The police were behind it. Uh, it was Antifa. It was paid actors, despite there being no evidence. But they claim to stand on truth. So I've been thinking about this because I'm like, I don't. Because I keep thinking like, how does? What is their standard for for truth? And I feel like maybe one way of putting it is that I feel like we have flipped foundations for what we see as truth. Let me give you an example. Okay. A lot of people in this in this and not all. But a lot of people in like the MAGA movement, especially a lot of the evangelicals, they will say the Bible is our standard for truth. They will say our faith is our standard for objective truth. But what they do is they really pull particular verses that they that they that they then form sure. to be their foundational truth. One of the problems though with this line of thinking is that going to the Protestant English Bible as your source of truth is really shaky given the history of how we have the Bible, right? Like we yeah. all the, like the example I use a lot. Is there's a reason why in, a, in in academic studies we have religious studies and biblical studies, and there's a reason why we don't have flat Earth studies, right? <laughs> and the reason why is because we can objectively verify in our society that the Earth is not flat. There's no sure. reason to debate this in academic yeah. circles. There's there's no evidence that would suggest otherwise. Seriously, but when it comes to the Bible and religion, that's a very different framework. That it's built on, and and the idea of it being objectively true isn't the right framework. It's almost like kind of looking at you know um, somewhere in the Levitical law for like a, a chicken recipe. You know, right. like oh, it yeah. says it says to boil a goat in its mother's milk. Therefore, this this must be a <laughs> recipe book. Like, n- I right. mean, I yeah. guess you can maybe make that case there, but the Bible is not a recipe book, right? Right. And so yeah. I feel like we just have different foundations for what we use to judge this quote-unquote objective truth. And I feel like the difference is that one group says the Bible is our source of objective truth, and other people, maybe like ourselves, would say, well, I don't think that's the right category for the Bible. And also, objective truth would be something that we can verify, like that we can actually say, this is how right. it is. And they they reject that kind of thinking. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they're kind of inverted, yeah. these, these yeah, motivations. It's it's a bizarre thing, and I think the best way that I could express that is that the word truth is being used as an ex- excuse for a grab for power, for mm. authoritarianism. That the word is sort of being just used as a tool for that purpose and not necessarily meant to actually communicate anything about reality. You know, and, and that 
exists yeah. in a lot of different facets of society and different beliefs within evangelical subculture. Um, the political being one, you know, the scientific or the historical being other examples of that. But this this use of that word to defend anything that we want to believe or any way that we want to see other people or the world by saying, well, it's just the truth, so there's nothing we can do about it, as sort of a justification right. for my actions without actually, you know, considering their effect or the effect of those actions, those beliefs, or even, you know, holding them up to like a, a faithful standard of um, accountability for what we're claiming to be truth, you know, if, right. if the leading, you know, the insurrection being example of this, you know, if, if, you know, the argument from, from the MAGA crowd is that, you know, the, the truth is that the, that the insurrection didn't happen, that it was a fake, that it was a hoax, then, then all of the information supporting the contrary is, is this, you know, authoritarian lie that's coming out to get us. And, and when we use that kind of language, it, it bolsters my own, you know, self-confidence in what I believe. It makes me feel, you know, more antagonistic against what, you know, any other information that might come against it, less likely to even listen to it, to even consider it. Right. Because it's being set up in this, um, even um, the, the word truth is, is given a, a particular religious context too, that all these things are interconnected to make me feel like, well, if I have the truth, yeah. then, you know, I don't even have to think about any of the details. I don't, I don't actually have to line my views up with reality around me or, you know, the, the, the leading information that we actually have about this event or this topic, because yeah. none of that matters. It's all just out to get me. So I, I can kind of block it out. If someone you love is struggling with their mental health, you don't have to struggle alone. Call or text 988 to get resources and support from trained crisis counselors who can help you help them. 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Hope has a new number. Right, and, 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 and when you dig down to the, well, the Bible is truth, what, you're, what they really mean right. is like the verses that we pull, we see as authoritative for everyone and everyone else. Right. And it's, right? it's incredibly selective. Right. And, and, and nowhere yeah. does the Bible categorically claim as a library of text to be the authoritative truth either. It's, it's a category we've imposed upon it. A hundred percent, especially yeah. when you're considering how the Bible was formed. You know, mm -hmm. like, like the Protestant Bible is not some ancient document. Okay. It was sourced from many different documents and put together. But, and I think what one point that might drive this home, there are two points I want to make here, actually, not one. One is that I we just did a video on Ali Sucky because she went on her show and they, they did like an episode on conspiracy theories and she admitted that like she has a conspiracy theory that maybe dinosaurs never really existed and also she's unsure if we landed on the moon. Like we just did a reel on this wow. like an hour ago. And it's like, wait a second. Ali positions herself as a truth teller. Her audience sees her as someone who is authoritative in telling the truth. And that truth is maybe the moon landing never happened. And oh, also maybe the election was rigged. That's what makes this like so strange because things that we can yeah. objectively verify in our society, like, like we can verify that we landed on the moon. We can verify sure. based on the fossils that, you know, something that we call dinosaurs existed, right? And people yeah. are honest about this. They say, you know, our renderings are, are, are the best based on the data that mm -hmm. we have, right? There's no secret. We don't know here. what color they were. Right, you right. Know? But we're honest about that. Yeah, yeah. But but somehow, like, you know, those things we have to cast doubt on. Um, and oh, also the Bible is objectively true. Like, what? I I, I which and then of course it turns out which parts. And that right. leads, me, leads, leads me to the second point is I did a conversation with this guy named William Wolf this past week. Okay. 
with Honest Youth Pastor. He facilitated it. Now, let me warn you, friends, this conversation is not safe for people. Uh, William Wolf is a far-right, I would argue, Christian nationalist who said some very dehumanizing things towards the trans and queer community in our conversation. And I didn't advertise it because I didn't want to trigger our community because sure. this place for so many people is seen as like a safer place, right? But I went on to, to have the conversation. I had a lot of questions. And in his opening monologue, he really lays out like, like his view of the Bible. He pretty much pulls from Genesis 1 through 3. He sees them as literal and authoritative. He pulls from... Um, uh, the verse in, I think in Genesis where it pretty much argues for, argues for the death penalty. And then he says nothing about Jesus the entire time. I had to ask him, I said, yeah. so where does Jesus fit into this? And his word, and his answer was, well, Jesus wrote the old Testament. Meaning right. like, meaning like because the Bible was written by God inherently and the God is in God is the Trinity and Jesus, Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus wrote the Old Testament. So therefore, right. I'm really giving you Jesus's words, which is such a faulty and horrible hermeneutic to, to yeah. uh, just in so many ways. But that is that is what like drives it, right? So you have these people who either have convinced themselves that they're just objectively reading the Bible correctly, and that's God's that is the creator of the universe's objective moral law to all men, despite what sure. anyone else thinks, or it's simply a tool for their power and control. But either way, it's a very slipperly, uh, slip, slipperly, slippery, slippery, thank you, slippery, slippery, there it is. I told you, friends, homeschooled, okay? <laughs> slippery, it, it's a very slippery slope, and also it's very, it's very, it's like sand, man. Your house is on sand here. Yeah. And anyway, so I'm just trying to rack my brain, like, how do they see it? Where do they pull truth from because it's not from our our current reality it has to be somewhere else in a lot of these different ways well and i think that i we've we've ranted about this ad nauseum before but i think it's particularly strange growing up with the high value on um um (laughs) what's the word apologetics as a kid you know i was real into (laughs) apologetics you know yeah yeah and and how antithetical this feels to those frameworks that i was given when yeah. I was young about how we understand truth by going after the evidence and looking to the leading scholarship and those things. And and now if I go back and read some of those some of those works, I'd find that a little disingenuous. But the principle was there, you know, that we actually we go to the leading evidence and we build our basis of truth off of that reality. And right. and now the word truth is being used even in those spaces in, in a way that's counterintuitive to that. And uh, I, I think it yes. just it just doesn't make any sense. I, you know, I, there's no logic s- to it. Such an astute point. Because you know what? What if we took those claims seriously? Which I think I like to think that we did. Yeah. And like yeah. the evidence shows that that seeing the Bible as inerrant and as the Word of God, uh, in the way that fundamentalists do, is not honest based on the evidence that we have. And right. also, they're not truthful about it. I even told William this at the end because he 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 made a comment that like he that you know we have to interpret the Bible. And I said, right. thank you, William. Exactly. So stop yeah. claiming that you're just standing on the objective truth of God's word and somehow <laughs> right. you have it right when we're all interpreting the Bible. I think that that's probably the biggest difference I see in some of these spaces between folks maybe like us and others where it's like, listen, I'm not trying to be this guy, but I am, I like to be, I'm trying to be as honest as I can that yes, I have a bias. Yes, I'm not always objective. Yes, truth yeah. can be slippery depending on the context of the subject matter. I admit, but it seems like folks in these other spaces, this apology or MAGA space, they can't acknowledge when like something happens that goes against the narrative that they built in their mind that the whole world must fit into. 
And it's very difficult to reason with that because in my perspective, my, on my view, there isn't much reason to it at all. So logic, data, <laughs> yeah. reason won't work when 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 it's it's purely or mostly built on dogma. I don't know if that does, does that make sense. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm still processing this, but like I'm, I, I feel like every day I'm trying to solve a Rubik's cube, and if I get mm-hmm. one side solved, there's three more sides to solve. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like if I get two sides solved, there's so like I just can't fully figure out what is driving this MAGA movement to actually be convinced that they are standing on not only a firm foundation, but on the firmest foundation, while everything else around them is totally wrong and and coming after them. I, 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 I'm still working on trying to find out why, but that's my yeah. current leading theory when it comes to how we see truth. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I don't even have much to add to that. That was well said. Put well, a stamp on it. Tweet okay. it. Okay. Ben Shapiro. <laughs> I'll tweet all of that. <laughs> One out of like 70 for the thread. Um, okay. So I, I think like, I think we covered this speech pretty well. I think yeah. overall to wrap it up, friends, you know, there was some, there was stage design, total fail. Um, was so this, a, was this politically motivated? Of course, uh, he's a Democrat. Uh, midterms are coming up. We totally get that. Was there amazing truth about the MAGA side of things and how dangerous the MAGA movement is to the country and to just our, our 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 legal system a thousand percent and yes we did we are watching the meltdown from people in that crowd just completely do the classic you know I know what you are but what am I right so like right. if we call them a fascist we're like no that's you you're the fascist it's like actually we had <laughs> definitions here so anyway um you you want to talk about about your dude in Pennsylvania real quick my dude don't don't refer to him as my dude. My bad. He's not you want to talk dude. about that dude in Pennsylvania? <laughs> that dude. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, well, and I think it's relevant, too, because we're having this conversation about how a lot of these mega values and beliefs that are not based in reality continue to be spread in the political sphere, how we have a lot of politicians right now that are either yeah. in power or rising in power and influence right. that are continuing to promote these beliefs as the objective truth. And right. one really great example of this is the current... Uh, Republican candidate for Pennsylvania, which is the state that I live in, and that's I'm gonna mess up his name. I'm, I'm gonna apologize for that. Uh, Doug Mastriano, I think is how you say it. We can roll with that. Um, we can roll with it. And Doug right now is the uh, current Republican state senator based out of Gettysburg. Um, and right now he in the polls, which is he's running against uh, a Democrat named uh, Josh Shapiro. And right now in the polls, he's at a 44% approval rate. It's really interesting because he's yeah. a he was a member of the Stop the Steal movement. He was actually a leader in it. He was slated to be a speaker at the insurrection. And we have photographic evidence of him moving behind police lines after they were essentially demolished by rioters. So he's a he's a participant in the insurrection. He has consistently been an election fraud narrative proponent, however you say that. He, he continues to promote that narrative and to run off of that as part of his candidacy and has some pretty extreme views on a lot of different issues that really, to me, equate to Christian nationalism in a lot of different ways. He rejects that as a term, but his beliefs continue to align him with those values over and over and over again for a lot of different reasons. How familiar are you with him at this point? Uh, I would say decently, but I haven't okay. done like, like like a deep dive. I saw his victory speech. I like everything you said. I, I think is totally accurate. Um, he also, I think it was his finance dude. I gotta look it up. But it was someone close to him in like his political campaign made some pretty anti-Semitic comments that essentially Jewish people are not welcome like in the Christian nationalist movement. So he tried to distance himself from that. So there's there's a lot around this dude, and it is. 
it is pretty shocking that again we have another election denier um who actually is now running for governor which by the way just one side note to this uh, according to the washington uh post the actual there's actually around uh how many was it did they say out of like all the elections that have happened nationwide roughly like 200 of the winners of republicans are election denying people so like so so this this election denier rhetoric in in politics is actually a really big deal uh, and mm-hmm. actually has spread over the past two years not shrank which i think is interesting to note that is really interesting yeah yeah and i think i'm i'm kind of like weirdly fascinated by this more than anything else concerned but also just fascinated that again someone like this is rising to a you know 44 percent approval rating right now two months before the election and it's kind of taking a, a national audience at this point you know you look up how many articles he has on him across national news at this point because of the extremism of so many of his views and the fact that he continues to be have such high approval ratings you know and and the um the election fraud narratives and the, the insurrections are a really interesting part of that but again the sort of the christian nationalist values that underline all of his beliefs are also interesting he has Ron DeSantis is sort of one of his biggest proponents. Ron DeSantis is the the, <laughs> you know, the Florida governor who uh, I have plenty of qualms and concerns about, but that's for another podcast. Yeah. Um, he's come and he just recently spoke at Doug Mastrano's last rally in Pittsburgh and has, you know, argued that that um, essentially uh, Doug is the Ron DeSantis of Pennsylvania, which which makes me really excited. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loving it. But yeah, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to bore everybody with all of his policies. It's stuff that's worth looking up. But I, I'm just interested in this more in the broad scheme of things at, that these values continue to be propagated at a very, very large and popular level. You know, the, oh, yeah. this isn't this isn't dissipating. This isn't going away since the election. Like, you know, some of us may be suspected that it would. It's not dying out. It's actually getting a lot stronger as time goes on. Well, really quick about Mastriano, actually, in this Washington Post article, it says, in a radio interview in March, Mastriano made clear his intentions to use those powers. I get to appoint, this is him speaking, quote, I get to appoint the Secretary of State who's delegated from me the power to make the corrections to elections, the voting logs and Mm -hmm. everything, he said. I could decertify every machine in the state with the stroke of a pen via the Secretary of State. I already have the Secretary of State picked out. It's a world-class person that knows voting integrity better than anyone else in this nation i think and i already have a team that's going to be built around that individual so you know you can even hear it in his own rhetoric like when it comes to elections now right oh well i'm gonna have the power to essentially do whatever i want so if i think the election was stolen forget the evidence if it was or not i can just decertify the machines and we're good to roll so certainly there are there's quite an authoritarian streak running in all of this of like well yeah. you know when my guy gets elected it was free and fair and when their guy gets elected, it was stolen, which honestly, friends, again, this is a homework for you. Look up Victor Orban in Hungary. There's a great episode on him on NPR. This is what they're drawing from. I can't go into details about it here, but you have to understand how this stuff does not happen in a vacuum. These things are absolutely connected. Um, I was going to bring up, you mentioned something that um, I, I was going to riff off of for a second, but I forgot what it was. So I forgot what you said last, but I don't know. Well, I think it's interesting, like that you said that that he's interested in sort of rearranging the power dynamics. That yeah. this is kind of a common approach within the Christian Lassen's music that we need to sort of return the nations that stop the steal. We need to return things back to this kind of ideal of what they used to be, and that a lot of times that's based in the idea that 
we need to return it to some kind of uh, Judeo-Christian ethic, you know, and, and one of Mastriano's big things is he says that it's an, it's a hoax to think that, you know, separated church and state existed, that it's in the constitution, all that, which again, the words are not the principles are, he denies that, you know, he believes that gay marriage shouldn't be legal, same-sex couples shouldn't be able to adopt, Right. has said, you know, credibly, is, Islam isn't compatible with the constitution because not all religions are created equal, you know, I, I could go one and one for hours, but the yeah, um, yeah. the Christian supremacy and even his his campaign slogan, the uh, "Walk is free, people," um, he said comes from a, a verse in John that he's using to defend that. So right. in every way, it's it's a biblical campaign. And of course, it's not freedom for everyone. It's not free right. people yeah. for America. It's free people for white Christian nationalists. I mean, right. that, that's who benefits from this, you know? I mean, even yeah. when I asked that guy, William Wolf, I said, because he he writes for the Standing for Freedom Center. I said, well, not freedom for, for the queer folks to get married. His response was, well, queer marriage doesn't exist. I'm like, wow. okay, okay, right. That's how like, this there's works. There's again that like denial you know? of reality. Thing. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so I know we talked a little bit longer than we thought about about this stuff, but just kind of keeping track. Some, we're, keeping, we're keeping our eyes on this stuff, and of course we'll call it out as we see it. Um, so the other, there was some other big news too, obviously the Matt Chandler thing, which we already covered pretty extensively, yeah. uh, which we'll, we'll see how that, how that you know, um, plays out. But, oh boy, no, I, I don't know. I mean- I feel like personally, I there's so much content to respond to, like all the time, and I just don't know how we're gonna keep up. I mean, honestly, we need a news network at this point. Like, yeah, there's so much <laughs> stuff that I, I if we had a million dollars, I'd be like, okay, great, we're gonna get like we're gonna hire some people, we're gonna get a studio, and we're just gonna start covering this stuff as as the fire hose that it is because yeah. so much of this stuff is is relevant to how we as former evangelicals and, and now as maybe new evangelicals or christians wanting to move forward it, it has so much to do with the with the spaces that we're in because unfortunately for us conservative evangelicalism has birthed so much of this stuff you know and yeah. and it's like my god even between this and then the, there's so many church abuse st- uh, stories i'm getting in my dms i'm like yeah. i could i could spend every day sharing five or six stories of pastor arrested for sexually assaulting a minor pastor arrested for embezzlement you know matt chandler steps down then we have the christian nationalist stuff then we have the church hurts stuff then we have the misogyny then we have the sexism then we have the racism then we have the homophobia I mean, there are so many layers of of and so much content happening it's like Woo! I don't know how we're going to keep up. I mean, this is why we're podcasting almost yeah. three times a week now. You know, there's so much it's, happening. It's crazy. It's it's crazy, and I feel like in so many ways, and I don't know how this is actually going to break down culturally. You know, I, maybe none of us can predict that, but it feels like the wool is coming off over so many people's eyes of like we're being lied to. You know that this is being revealed with all this stuff coming out, with all of the abuse scandals, with all of the ways that the. Um, evangelical church continues to align with outright conspiracy theories. Right. You know, and we see this as kind of a trend of, you right. know, that's where we're sitting of like, whoa, what were we thinking? You know, uh, where, that, where that goes culturally, I don't know, but it's, it's overwhelming and maybe um, for the best in, you know, uh, on a more, yeah. I don't know, light note, I guess. Um, have, have you seen Bobby Houston, uh, Brian Houston's wife, she, oh, no. uh, first off, oh, the Houston's no. are, are, they're speaking at church again. I'm not sure if people know that, but, but Brian Houston really? spoke, yeah, Brian Houston spoke at a church and, um, it was, it's just, it, it's, I mean, the, the level of delusion that these people live in is crazy. So Bobby Houston, um, started another Instagram account. I'm going to pull it up. It's called, uh, let me, let me find it here. Uh, oh, is this Bobby it? is his, his wife. You said, yeah, Bobby's his okay. wife. 
is this it? No, this isn't it. She started another Instagram account where it was devoted to her selling her fa- her high end and designer clothes. That's not a good look. I swear to God, dude. <laughs> I swear to God. Um, I mean, it, it, somebody should have told her that's a PR nightmare. Uh, well, I mean, somebody. she doesn't care. She doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, this is, I mean, this is kind of a funner, a more lighthearted story, yeah, given, yeah. you know, considering. We need some laughs. It's been, uh, a, it's been a serious hour for me here. I'm, uh, I'm stressing out. Too. <laughs> well, I'm trying to find uh, the actual, um, she had the, the, she had the Instagram up at some point, but maybe she took it down. But yeah. Oh, here it is. Wait, I think this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so here's the post. Okay. It's called Closet Baby Closet 22. Uh, and, and, and her post on her own Instagram for it, it says this, I'm going to read the caption. Um, Hey girls at closet, baby closet, 22 quote, pre-love sale. God, they, they brand everything. Scripture pre-loved sale. Pre-loved scripture encourages us to be clothed in the magnificent. I'm sorry. Oh no. I'm sorry. This I'm sorry. Real. You know, it's real. Okay. <laughs> I'm not reading the onion here. All right. This is a longer <laughs> caption. Friends would stay with me. Here's what it says. I'll try and get through it with a straight face. Scripture encourages us to be clothed in the magnificent salvation of our magnificent God. And I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree, but we also know we can't quite venture out the front door and into all his beautiful assignments for the day without some threads and things to call our own. I cleaned wardrobe recently and have gifted an ocean of clothes and bits and pieces to students. How gracious, Bobby, but also have this, so, uh, but also have sewn some items to a friend. She's sewn some items. Jesus, the Christian needs. I, I have. Okay. Oh, sewn is in like, like um, I've sewn my wild oh oats. My you know, I've sewn my seeds. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I, but also have sewn some items to a friend who is going to offer them in the pre-owned marketplace for me. I will help her personally and will be a blessing to me to know some pre-loved pieces might find a new home with you. And then she has scripture. Isaiah 61, she quotes that. Then she quotes Colossians 3. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every oh item God. of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. Yada, yada, yada. I'm Where's like, red pen logic when you need him? Uh, <laughs> no, that's so good. So if you go to this, if you go to the Instagram, Closet Baby Closet 22, she's selling things for, okay, okay, first thing I saw. It's like this. I don't know. I, I, I don't wear female clothing, so I don't know what this is called. But it looks like a, a public nightgown, <laughs> and it retails for five forty nine. But don't worry, she's selling it for three hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I, what? I, I, what? I, all matrix? Did we just step into? She is selling clothes. Uh, here's another one. Retails four ninety nine. Uh, offering two ninety nine. It's a blouse. This is Bobby Houston. But don't worry, as she quoted scripture, we need to be clothed in new garments, friends. So just pick up her pre-owned clothes. I, I this is so so you have stuff like this, right? Where it's like, oh my God, I would love to do a reel on this. But then you have Alice Sucky saying maybe the moon landing never happened, and you have Doug Maestriano saying, Yeah, I'm gonna overturn elections if I get elected. So it's like, yeah. well, out of those things, what's the most Priorities. urgent thing to talk about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh my God. But, I mean, maybe we could do it. I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. I'm ideating, but maybe we do a new segment like once a week. We hop on the podcast yeah. and just talk about all the stories that like we couldn't talk about but need to be yeah. talked about because this is one of them. Bobby Houston selling her her designer clothes. She has a lot of them, by the way, yeah. for hundreds of dollars. Jeez, wow. Louise. <laughs> what in the what universe are we living in? 
I do wonder that. I mean, are we in the wrong multiverse? Honestly. I think so. <laughs> we got the short end of the stick somewhere. Uh, anyway, all right. I mean, we talked for 40 minutes. I think we've talked long enough. Uh, <laughs> any final thoughts here, Noah? Anything we, we didn't cover that you want to hit quickly? Oh, man. I'm tapped out of wisdom for the yeah, day. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a Friday. Fun. I'm tired. Fun. I got a long day ahead of me. Um, all right, friends. Well, listen, good talking to you. Hope you enjoyed this coffee chat. Kind of. I feel like everything I say is like an evangelical, you know, language, coffee <laughs> chat. But thanks for hanging in with this episode. And, and as we talked about Biden and Bobby Houston. Our fellowship. Jesus. Yeah, our fellowship. Yeah. Have a blessed day. <laughs> Talk to you all later. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com.